Welcome to the Truth and Godliness Podcast, where we seek to be a voice for sound doctrine and biblical Christianity. Here is your host, Pastor Brian Evans of 5.7 Community Church in Detroit, Michigan. Well, hello, and God bless you. And thank you for tuning in once again to the Truth and Godliness podcast with Pastor Brian Evans of 5.7 Community Church in Detroit. It's been quite some time since I've been able to do a podcast episode. I've been kind of busy. My plate has been full for quite some time, but thank God I'm able to get back here and and resume with some of these episodes and give you some content, hopefully something to provoke thought about about Christianity, about the truth. Today I want to talk about a subject, another subject that is weighing heavy on my mind, and it, it has to do with the Christian life. It has to do with the Christian life. The title of this 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 podcast is Truth and Godliness. And the reason for that is one of the things that I've always believed is that when you when you really understand the truth, when you really understand biblical Christianity, it's going to result in a life of godliness. You know, the Bible clearly tells us that, you know, Paul refers to the gospel as the truth, which is according to godliness. He calls it the mystery of godliness. The whole point of the truth is to produce godliness in, in the people of God. But what is true godliness? Godliness has to do with the fear of God. It has to do with reverencing God. It has to do with an attitude that is so in awe of God that it produces reverential awe and and fear and worship and service and obedience. And so the the point that 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 really drives me and that influences me in in my understanding of the Christian faith is that in at in at the end of the day Christianity is a God-oriented faith. It's about knowing God. It's about being in awe of this God. And then worshiping this God and living for this God in a way that brings glory to him, in a way that pleases him. The problem is that in American Christianity, and I've been talking about this in all of my episodes pretty much. The problem is that within American Christianity, we have lost sight of this reality. We have kind of turned things upside down. Whereas... We no longer view the Christian life as being ultimately about knowing God, pleasing God, worshiping the true God. But we see the Christian life primarily in terms of pursuing our own personal happiness. And God is the means to that end. We worship, serve and obey God so that he will make us happy. And so the most important thing is our happiness. And the reason for this is because American Christianity has been greatly influenced by American culture. 
And we don't even realize how much we've been influenced by American culture. Because the, the whole idea that life is all about your happiness, your personal fulfillment, you living out your purpose, you walking in your purpose, you know, you being satisfied and and fulfilled. This has become so much the air that we breathe in America that we have we breathe this stuff in constantly and 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 we've been it it's been normalized to us we we just we just assume that this is the way we're supposed to view life and we view the christian life that way as well but again this is so contrary to the biblical view of life this is so contrary to the biblical view of of what the christian life is what should be our aim what should what should we be pursuing as Christian people? Did God save us so that we can live out our purpose, so that we can pursue our happiness and meaning and fulfillment? Or did God serve us in order to pursue him, regardless of what happens to us, regardless of whether we're happy in this world or not? Again, brothers and sisters, look at the example of the apostles. Look at the example of the prophets in the Bible. One of the one of the uh, stories in the Bible which which have always impressed me so much is the story of Paul the apostle in the book of Acts. Towards the end of the book of Acts, he's on his way back to Jerusalem, and a prophet warns him that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested and bound and put in chains, put in prison. And the Christians begin to weep and they begin to compel Paul and they begin to say, Paul, don't go, don't go. You're going to go to prison. We don't want this to happen to you. And Paul's response to them was, not only am I ready to go to prison for the Lord, but I'm ready to die for him. He says, my life means nothing to me. My life means nothing to me. He says, I don't count my life as dear unto me. He says, the only thing I care about, and I'm paraphrasing this, but basically he says, the only thing I care about is finishing the work that God gave me to do, which is to testify to the grace of Jesus Christ or preach the gospel. And I believe that this is the way we all as Christian people are supposed to approach life in this world. Whatever cross God gives us, whatever tribulation, whatever test or trial, whatever difficulty we have to live with in this world should be, relatively speaking, nothing to us. If God uses affliction to sanctify us and make us more like Christ and draw us closer to him, then why should we be so bothered and distressed when we go through trials and tribulations? Why do we get so sad and down and depressed when we go through difficult times and the Bible tells us that God is using these difficult times to sanctify us and draw us closer to him? And again, I can't help but just notice this, and it, 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 it really grieves me to see so many professing Christians who, who are hindered from making progress in their walk with Christ 
Because as soon as the tribulation comes, as soon as hard times come in their marriage or in money on their jobs or or whatever, wherever the hardship comes from, they get they get offended at Christ or they get upset because God is not removing this thing from them. They feel that it's unfair that they're going through what they're going through and they become angry and bitter and upset and resentful because God is not taking this thorn from their side and they feel like I shouldn't have to be going through this and they get unhappy and they and they're not making progress in their walk with Christ anymore. They stop coming to church because of what they're going through. And I believe that the reason for that is because our focus is on the wrong thing. Our priority is in the wrong place. We're failing to realize that God, God is the one that allowing you to go through this suffering. God has ordained you to go through this suffering because he's using that suffering to make you like his son, Jesus Christ. But we get angry and we get upset because we don't want to suffer. We want to be happy. We want our lives to be what we want it to be. We have our agenda. And so the Christ, we have the Christian life upside down because we've been, we've been influenced by this American culture, which teaches that suffering is always bad and, and we're supposed to always be happy and life is all about me living my purpose and all of these things. Again, this is just not a Christian way of thinking. And American Christians are struggling in their walk with Christ because they don't think biblically about the Christian life. There's a particular passage in the Bible which addresses the Christian life, how we should approach the Christian life. And there's many different ways that we should that that there's many different ways which the Bible addresses uh, the nature of the Christian life. You know, the Christian life it's a life in Christ. It's a life of walking in the Spirit. But there's this idea in the book in the Gospels where Jesus describes the Christian life as one of discipleship, and that that discipleship consists of denying oneself, taking up the cross in order to follow Christ. And I want to I want to talk about that, particularly about this aspect of denying ourselves and taking up our cross. According to Jesus, this is an essential aspect of the Christian Christian life. This is an, an essential aspect of discipleship, self-denial. I want to read a passage of scripture first about that. A particular passage where Jesus mentions this is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, in verses 24 through 27. And it says here, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 
Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, that's, that passage is, is so powerful, and it's something that we need to be reminded of. But I want you to notice here, Jesus is describing the nature of discipleship. We talk a lot about discipleship in the church today. You hear that phrase everywhere. Oh, it's, we, we need to make disciples. We need to make disciples. Jesus tells you what a disciple is. It tells you what, matter of fact, he's given us the first requirement of discipleship. What is the first thing that a disciple of Jesus Christ must do? Again, in verse 24 of Matthew 16, he says, if anyone would come after me, that's that's what it means to, to be a disciple, to come after Jesus, to follow Jesus. If anyone would come after me, or which is another way of saying, if anyone would be my disciple, this is what he must do. Let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. What does that mean? What does it mean to deny yourself? And I think it's, it's, it's really, it's something radical. It's something radical here because he kind of, he kind of further elaborates on it in the next clause. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. What does it mean to take up your cross? When Jesus took up his cross, what, why did Jesus take up his cross in order to die? Jesus was crucified. He died on a cross. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, the first thing you need to do is deny yourself. You need to get up on that cross with me and die. And so to be a Christian means that you must die to self. That's the first thing. That's the first thing it means to be a Christian. Is to die to self. It means that we die to living for ourselves. We die to, to a self-centered approach to living life. We no longer live for our own self-interest. Life is not about pleasing myself. Life is not about getting my way. Life is not about my happiness, my fulfillment, my satisfaction. Again, Jesus continues pointing that out. In verse 25, he says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. What does it mean there to save your life? Whoever, he's contrasting this person with the person who denies themselves and take up their cross. The person who refuses to deny themselves and take up their cross is the person who is seeking to save his life. What does it mean to save your life? Basically, he's talking about living for self-interest. Living for self-interest, living for your for for your um uh, the life in this world. He points it out. He continues to point it out. Look at uh, 
Verse 26, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So here, Jesus compares saving one's life with gaining the world. So what he's talking about is the person who lives for their self-interest in this present world. They're consumed with eating and drinking and career and education and family and hobbies and recreation and comfort and convenience and, and, and all of the things pertaining to life in this world. As opposed to living for the things that pertain to eternity and the life of the inner man. Notice the contrast. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that the soul is more important than life in this world. The soul is more important than acquiring material things or, or any type of physical existence in this world. Again, he, he continues to point that out. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? In other words, what can you acquire in this world that is more valuable than your soul? Nothing. If you had everything that this world had to offer, it's not enough to redeem your soul. And so Jesus is saying here, the most important thing is not your temporary life in this world. It's your soul. It's the inner man. It's not this temporal existence. It's eternity. And the first step of being a disciple is to stop living for life in this world. You must deny this, this whole approach of living for self-interest in the here and now. You must focus on the inner man, the life of the soul. Now, what does that look like? I want to talk about that a little bit because there are some counterfeit ideas of what it means to live a life of self-denial. Sometimes we get that wrong. And as a matter of fact, there are some Christians who come from churches who, who were abusive in their view of self-denial and, and, and unbiblical and legalistic. And, and, and many Christians were scarred by that. And, and so they go to the opposite extreme of, of living a life of self-indulgence because they're kind of reacting against the legalistic view of self-denial that some churches teach. And what do I mean by that? There are some churches that believe that when Jesus talks about self-denial, what it means is that you must deny yourself any type of physical pleasure whatsoever. In other words, you it's as if they believe that all pleasure is bad. 
And so to deny yourself means you can't do anything pleasurable. You can't watch TV. You can't go, go, you can't have a good time, go to, go participate in recreation. You can't um, go out with your kids and, and, and for some fun. Um, you can't buy certain things. You can't participate in, in certain secular things. You must spend all of your time just fasting and praying all the time. This is kind of the view that the early church fell into. It's a view which led to monasticism, you know, the monks living in the monasteries. There was this idea in the ancient church that all physical material pleasure was bad. The early church was influenced by the Greeks, by Greek philosophy. And the Greeks believed that the material world and the physical world was evil and sinful. And so the early church had this idea that any type of material physical pleasure is bad. That's why uh, in the ancient church, even marriage was looked down upon. And you see that even to this day in the Catholic Church, you see the remnants of that thinking where where priests are not allowed to marry because that's considered unspiritual. But again, we see this in churches today where there is this preoccupation with with legalistic rules about the stuff that you that you're not supposed to do if you're a Christian. You're not supposed to wear these kind of clothes. You're not supposed to wear the, listen to this kind of music. You're not supposed to eat these kinds of foods. You're not supposed to touch this. Uh, it's just it's a bunch of don't you can't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And they consider that as self-denial. But brothers and sisters, that's 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 kind of missing the point. Self-denial does involve reframing from certain things. Self-denial does involve um, um, denying certain pleasures. But it's really not essentially self-denial is not about just denying pleasure. Pleasure is not bad in and of itself. Remember, they accused Jesus of being a glutton and a wine bibber because Jesus ate and he drank with sinners. In other words, uh, Jesus didn't just um, live off bread and water. In First Timothy, Timothy chapter six, it says that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so God is not a God against pleasure. God created this world. This is God's world. And the good things that he's that he's put into this world, he's put these things here for us to enjoy. And in, in through enjoying the creation, we glorify God. And so true self-denial is not some legalistic keeping of a bunch of rules of what you can't do. You got a lot of people in the church and, and again, this is what the this was the problem with the Pharisees in Jesus's day. They were good at keeping rules. They were good at not doing this and not doing that and not doing this and not doing that. But they totally missed the heart of what true holiness really was. And so what is self-denial? Really, 
Self-denial is, 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 is primarily an attitude. It's an attitude. It's an approach to life. Self-denial means that I do not live my life for my self-interest. Self-denial, really, when the Bible says, take up your cross and follow me and deny yourself, basically what he's saying is, the point and purpose of your life is to please God. It is to follow Christ, not to serve yourself. That's essentially what he's saying. And this, this, is, really, this is really the heart of the Christian life. In doing this, in denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow Christ, we are really living out the reality of what we are in Christ, as new creatures in Christ. Scripture teaches that a Christian is somebody who has been baptized into Christ. They have been baptized into his death and resurrection. Because we've been baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection, that means we're dead to sin, dead to the flesh, and alive to God. For example, Romans chapter 6 tells us this. Romans 6, 3-4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The reason why we deny ourselves and no longer live a life of self-interest is because we've died to self. We've died to self. And we should be dead to the whole way of thinking which says I've got to look out for me and I've got to have um, uh, I got to make a name for myself and and I want I need to be happy and I need to accomplish these goals and and I need to be important and I need to be recognized and and me 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 this constant concern with what I feel a constant concern with what I want we should be dead to that. But notice the other side of it. The Christian life doesn't just end with self-denial. Self-denial is one side of the coin. The flip side of the coin is now we live for God. Before we became Christians, we were obsessed with self. We were living unto self. It was all about what I want, what I feel, what I think. But now it's in Christ. You're dead to that and you live to God. So now it's all about what God wants, what God thinks. Notice it in that same Romans chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to what? To God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive 
to God in Christ Jesus. This right here is, is the summary statement of the Christian life. He's saying that just like Jesus died once and for all to sin and was raised in his resurrection in order to live unto God. In other words, Jesus doesn't live unto himself. He doesn't live to do his own thing. His whole life is unto God. He lives unto the Father to do the will of the Father. Same thing with us as Christians. We've been baptized into Jesus, so therefore we are dead to sin because we died with Jesus. And the life that we live, we live it unto God. He says, consider yourself. This is the way we need to think. This is the way we need to approach life as Christian people. Consider yourself dead unto sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul meant in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I was crucified with Christ, yet I live. But it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Do we really think about this? Do we, do we really realize this as Christian people? Let's just think about this for a moment. Why is it that we struggle so much living this life in this world? Why do we struggle so much with unhappiness? Why do we struggle so much with depression and stress and anxiety? Why do we struggle so much in our marriages? We can't get along with our spouses. We argue and fight all the time. We fall out with people. We can't maintain healthy relationships with people. Why do we go through this stuff? Because, brothers and sisters, we are not dead to self. We're thinking too much about ourselves. We fight with our spouse. We fight with family members. We fight with people. We get upset. We get angry because we're not getting our way. Or because people do things that we don't like. Or because we feel like we shouldn't have to take this. Or I don't deserve that. Or I deserve this. We think too much about ourselves. Look at Jesus. Jesus never had those kind of problems. Why? Because he wasn't living his life unto himself. He didn't care about himself in that regard. His whole life and aim was to please his father. And as long as he was pleasing his father, nothing else mattered. And the scripture is saying is that if you're a Christian, that's the way we're supposed to think. Nothing else should matter. And again, this is the clear teaching of the Bible. And so denying yourself, denying ourselves, in essence, what it means is rejecting this worldly approach of living for my self-interest and living my life unto God. That means, in other words, the, the, the trajectory of my life, the point and purpose and aim of my life is to please God. 
in everything, whether I eat, whether I drink. And so what that means is I don't get angry and upset when things don't go my way, because if I believe that God is in control, if I believe that God is sovereign, then that means that he has whatever is happening in my life. It's his will. And he put me in that situation because he's using it for his purpose for me. He's using it to sanctify me. He's using it to conform me into the image of Christ. And if what I'm going through is conforming me into the image of Christ, which is the thing which pleases God the most, then why should I be upset about that? I should rejoice in it. And so, brothers and sisters, this is, I, I believe, one of the major problems in the Christian church today. Is that we've lost this concept of 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 living unto God. We're still living unto self. I think the the added I think that what most of us as Amer American Christians, when we look at the Christian life, we look at the Christian life primarily in terms of just avoiding sin. We look at the Christian life as being nothing more but avoiding sin. Oh, don't cuss, don't smoke cigarettes, don't drink, don't go to the club, don't don't do this, don't fornicate, don't do that. And that's it. And we think that we are holy because of the stuff we don't do anymore. But that's not the Christian life. That's that's anybody can do that. Any person, any moral person can discipline themselves to not do bad things. The Christian life is being Christ-like. It's having the mind of Jesus Christ. We deny ourselves because we are dead to self. We deny ourselves in order to live unto God. The Christian life is not about avoiding sin just for the sake of avoiding sin. The Christian life is about living unto God. In other words, yes, we do avoid sin, but the reason why we avoid sin is because we're too busy living unto God. The reason that I don't hate people is because Living unto God causes me to love people, even my enemies. The reason why I don't walk in pride and arrogance is because living unto God causes me to be humble and poor in spirit. You see. And so this is the, the perspective on the Christian life. God has saved us in order to conform us into the image of Christ. And what is the image of Christ? Christ lived unto God. You remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 2, verse 49? You remember the story? And, and notice, this is when Jesus was a little boy. When Jesus was a little boy, 12 or 13 years old, he went up to Jerusalem with his with his father and mother, his earthly parents. And after the feast was over and, 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 and the family began to head back to their hometown, they noticed that Jesus was missing. 
and they wound up going back to Jerusalem and they found Jesus in the temple discussing the law of God with the rabbis and the teachers. And they asked him, Jesus, son, why did you do this? You had us worried about you. And in Luke 2.49, it says that Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or as the old King James says, I must be about my father's business. In other words, even as a little boy, Jesus is saying that my whole purpose and point in life is to be in my father's house, to be about my father's business. That's what I exist for. You remember in John chapter 4, in the story about Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Jesus sent the disciples away to go find food. And while they, were, while they were away looking for food, Jesus was back talking to this Samaritan woman. And, and, and then finally the disciples come back and they say, Jesus, we got food here, eat. And in John 4.34, it says, Jesus said to them, I have, I'm sorry, not uh, uh, in, in the verses prior to that. Jesus says to the disciples, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Well, what meat are you talking about, Jesus? The disciples were confused. And in verse 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was so satisfied and fulfilled in doing the Father's will that he forgot about his physical hunger. Brothers and sisters, if we would focus ourselves on pleasing God the Father, if we would focus ourselves on, on knowing Christ and pursuing Christ, all this other stuff in this world down here wouldn't bother us so much. We wouldn't be so angry and upset all the time. We wouldn't get so depressed and stressed out all the time. In all actuality, the fact that we're so upset all the time is just evidence that we're thinking about ourselves way too much. And so, brothers and sisters, there's a whole lot more I could say about this subject, but I just wanted to give you a little something to think about with regards to the Christian life. It's about denying ourselves. It's about no longer living for me, myself, and I. And a lot of, a lot of Christian people think that as long as I'm not sinning, I'm okay. I'm not living. They think denying self just means not fornicating, not getting drunk. But you could be a self-centered person and be a moral person at the same time. You can be a moral person who doesn't fornicate, who doesn't get drunk, who doesn't use foul language, who's a, a family person and, and you're an upstanding citizen. You can be a very moral person and still be self-centered. You're obsessed with yourself and with your family and with your needs and with your desires and with your feelings. And the Christian life, the Christian life is about dying to that and realizing that it's not about what I want and desire. It's about pleasing God, knowing him 
worshiping him. And listen, when we, when the more we are absorbed in the things of God, we find ourselves having the peace that passes all understanding. We find ourselves ourselves having the joy of the Lord. We find ourselves having the type of boldness that we read about in the saints in the Bible. Why? Because we don't care about life in this world so much. We care about pleasing God. And we experience more and more joy and certainty and confidence because we we know we're living a life that pleases him. Well, brothers and sisters, that's it for today. Uh, We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, God bless you. Have a great and godly week. You have been listening to the Truth and Godliness podcast with Brian Evans. To send us a message, drop us an email at bevans at 5.7.org. That's the B Evans at the number five, the word point spelled out, the number seven dot org.